Good morning, Jim Booth here, Discipleship Pastor at Glen Meadows Baptist Church Woo-hoo. with Woo. Senior Pastor Mac Roller as we go into week eight of the Daniel Curriculum Part 2. And this week, Pastor, we are in Exodus 33 and 34, speaking of the Lord's glory. Amen. And uh, you, you kicked off a series uh, last week. Yes. You want to tell us a little bit about that series? Yeah, it's, it's what we believe. And so as we, as a, as a church, uh, we have people who have been in, in, or, in around us for several years, others that are brand new, and we're just kind of revisiting what we believe. And basically the goal is to get everybody to drive deep in their own convictions. That's good. Because uh, we don't tell anybody what to believe. We just kind of discover together. So last week we talked about the Bible. And that is where you start. What is the source of what we believe? And it's not how you feel. It's not what you hear on a sitcom. It's not what you dreamt about last night. It doesn't, it's, it doesn't even come from if an angel visited you in all white and glory. It goes back to the Word of God, not anything else. So um, this week, the Lord's glory, um, what, what led you to, to, to come to this particular uh, subject after the Word? You know, it just falls sequential. Just you start with revelation, then you go to God Himself. In the theological circles, they call it theolog- uh, theology proper, okay. and just who God is, and in essence and being. However, we're going to take we're going to discuss the essence of God, who He is, and attributes, in attitude, in mm. action. But we're also going to be really talking about the fatherhood of God and His Hesed love, because it comes up in this text. Is this text? It, it's His loyal love that that pursues and is relentless. And so that, that's why we came to this subject. Okay. We, we, we had our life group this week. Yes. And I'm telling you, it was fantastic. Amen. Um, some of the things that, that, that came up was um, uh, we really, we, we kind of ended on uh, God's even handed attributes. Mm-hmm. In other words, it was um, mm-hmm. uh, a lot was as God passed by Moses, he says, here's who I am. And, and he describes himself. Yes. And he says, but, mm. and then he has this, this other side that says, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. uh, here's what it says, but uh, he will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the father's iniquity on the children and the grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. And we read that we saw there's the justice of God along yes. with. So, so a lot of our life group was spent really talking about God's character yes, um, and who he is. So uh, do you want to kind of break this down for us? And Yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, God is revealing himself. And this is something to, that's important to know as you read through Scripture and you look at the Bibles that are written, if you consider them chronologically, meaning in a timeline. So the, the Bible is not put together chronologically. It's put together thematically. So you have, you know, uh, law. Then you have history, then you have uh, poetry, then you have prophets. And so when you look at the Scripture and the Revelation, as you look at it chronologically, how it developed, we do notice a a progressive revelation. In other words, what we learn about God in Genesis is phenomenal, uh, but we also, like in Exodus, we learn more. And as the Bible unfolds, you learn more and more about God. And so here's one of these scenes, uh, Sinai. Moses right in front of God, and he starts revealing himself in a uh, in a more intimate way. And, and the reason, I mean, we gotta we gotta realize what the reason. It's not just that God wants to brag on himself. I mean, he can shout his own glory. But the point here is that so that Moses gets it, and so that Moses responds correctly, and then that Moses has 
uh, the courage to continue on because God says, look, this is who I am. And because of who I am, therefore, you can be and you will do. And I think that's really so. So here we have in this passage that Moses, that God is just revealing to Moses who he is. And he says, I will cause all goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord forever. Uh, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will be compassionate to whom I will be compassionate. Um, and then he, he talks about his face and how you can't see it. So we learn a lot about God and his glory. And, and then in verse, uh, chapter 34, 6, um, well, verse 7, it says, Maintaining faithful love to thousand generations, forgiving iniquities, rebellion, and sin. Um, and it's just talking about the graciousness of an all-powerful God that we cannot bear to be in his presence because he's just so holy, so glorious. And just describing, you know, those characteristics and those attitudes, those attributes, which is powerful. One of the questions that came up was um, the first question in the book. Uh, remember, again, uh, uh, leaders, as you're listening to this, uh, for the following, use these questions or formulate your own. And so uh, the question that came up was, what do we learn about God uh, being in God's presence? But the follow-up question, uh, because of that, when we said, what do we learn about God? Uh, the group immediately came to, why couldn't humans see the face of God? Mm. And, and that was one of the questions that came up in our life group. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, we all want to, don't we? Amen. I mean, but we want to because we don't really know what we're asking for. You know, we just don't know what we're asking for. And I don't think the way the Lord describes it is way beyond our understanding. And when you look at the effects of what happens, it, it makes us stand back and just say, so what really is the essence? We see the effect, but what is the cause? So the effects are those who see God face to face die. Their, their constitution, their, their frame, their, their soul cannot bear it in our unglorified bodies. I mean, we haven't been changed. We're not in heaven yet. We cannot bear it. So what does that tell us about God? I mean, he's just holy and heavy. That's what glory means, is heavy, weighty. It's like you walk into a room and the, the pressure of the holiness and the righteousness and the brightness of God just incinerates us. And then didn't you ask the opposite question, what does it say about us? Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> I mean, we are, we're sinful. And, you know, it's kind of like, uh, I remember one time John Mark was uh, at a, uh, we had a bolathon where he was raising money for a spina bifida group. He was a little kid. And we go to this bowling alley. They're just trying to raise money. You know, if you knock down pins, you get money for it. And it was, it was for a good cause. And then uh, Jason Garrett shows up. And, and he brought, uh, he brought one of the quarterbacks. It wasn't Troy Aikman, but it was another backup quarterback and a lineman. And I'm, like, stoked. I'm, like, fired up. And I'm just really wanting to get autographs. And the little kids, they're like, yay, you know, it's a cowboy. But then they went back to bowling. And they had no idea <laughs> who was there, you know? <laughs> it's like, yeah, he's, he's nice. He's got red hair. That's cool. Now let's go bowl. <laughs> and I'm like, man, you don't get it. These guys, uh, these guys are awesome. In fact, Jason Garrett just won. Uh, he, he went in. Uh, he replaced the quarterback because he got hurt and just won this game with an amazing pass. And so I'm in awe. And so I really know how brilliant this guy really is, and the kids, they just don't know. Now, it's not, that, uh, it's not that he's God or anything, but when somebody of greatness walks in the room and other people have no idea who they are, 
you're just like, man. And so that's kind of like with God. Well, people can speak very flippantly about God. They use his name every single day, sometimes in vain. And we have no idea who we're talking about and the very presence and glory of God, how weighty, consuming he is. And we need to go back to the flashes of pictures when the ark began to stumble and somebody grabbed it and they died instantly. And another group that mm. when they were trying to carry the ark without in the proper way, they looked inside of it and 25,000 people died immediately. And so we're not dealing with just a figment of somebody's imagination. We're dealing with the entity of the Lord God Almighty that is a consuming fire. And we have no idea how glorious God is. And, and, and then that brings us to the point that he loves us and he's trying to bridge the gap between his glory and our sinfulness. And so he's using a guy like Moses to paint the picture. You know, it's uh, uh, going back to uh, verse 19 of chapter 33. Um, I don't know where this falls uh, with, with the word that's in here. It says, I will cause all. Mm. Okay, that doesn't say I will cause my goodness. It's mm. all my goodness. Wow. And it's like, I, I, I was just, just chewing on that because it's like, wait a minute. I and all eternity will never understand all God's goodness. Yes. I'm incapable. Yeah. And it's like, so so almost right there, is that the sensory overload? Is that the thing? It's like, wait a minute. Yeah. He's saying, you're going to get the full Monty. I mean, you're getting, yeah, yeah. You're getting the whole deal. Yes. And you can't handle it. Yeah. It's also interesting, if you point this out, that he's talking about all of his essence. He's just classifying <laughs> it with one character of goodness. And God is good. I mean, it says that in Scripture. God is good. And he's good all the time. And all the time. And God is good. And that's his nature. That's his nature. <laughs> I learned that in a, just going on a mission trip. Amen. That, that's a very, uh, especially in Kenya, Ethiopia and stuff, that is, a, that is almost a greeting. I mean, you start that, they finish the whole thing. Amen. It's like, wow, that's good. Um, one of the things that, uh, that we really got into uh, as well is... <clears throat> God describes who he is. It says in 34.6, the Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed. So this is God proclaiming yes. um, who he is. Yes. And uh, one of the things as a group we noticed is uh, a lot of times you read Psalms and stuff like that. It's, it's the psalmist describing God. Yes. But here's an instance where God is saying, time out. I'll yeah. let you know. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Because, I mean, he, he's our fortress. He's our strong tower. He's our rock. He's our deliverer. He's our shepherd. And we have yeah. all these things. But then God's coming in right here and he's saying, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. Yes. So so all of God's word is heavy. Yes. But when I read this, it's one of those little exclamation marks. Amen. Amen. Is that is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. Man, and, just, yeah. Hmm. Bring in the full glory. He is the one who proclaims. I, I, I think we need to learn from this passage. And and sometimes you'll hear me say from the pulpit, look, God's invisible. And it's like, because there's always, people are always wanting to know, how come God just doesn't reveal himself? Why didn't God just show himself more clearly? And you're like, dude, you'd be dead. You would be dead if he showed himself. So so God is working with the situation. The situation is we're sinful. He's holy. And the only way for him to step in and show us what he's really like is he had to enclose himself in flesh. He incarnated and he lived life just as we are, revealing who he is so that we would get it. But if God in all of his goodness and all of his glory that he's proclaiming, if we were to see it full front and center, it would be just like this scene right here. And God would say, look, you can't. You just can't. You've got to get in the cleft of the rock. I've got to put my hand in front of you. In other words, I've got a shadow because if you see exactly who I am, you will incinerate. 
And so what we do in the meantime is we take the proclamations of God, that he is shouting through glory. He is shouting through the, the natural revelation that we talked about Sunday, and he's capturing our attention. And for those who respond, he gives compassion, and he gives mercy and faithful love. Those who don't, I mean, look what it says. There's the other side of God that you brought up. Well, let's talk about that. That, that yeah. question came up, and it was, um, uh, so why do we get punished for what our fathers have done? Uh, spreading the second and third generations. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, some, some will blame this on generational curses. I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't agree with that. Here's why. It doesn't say it. Exactly. Okay, it just doesn't say it. Exactly. And so, uh, in fact, we were we were talking about Job the other day, and they said that's a generational curse. And I said, well, actually, it never says that. So I don't know if I can. Do I have the liberty to say something the Bible doesn't? It doesn't say that. What, what, it, what is that called? Uh, before you go, uh, uh, there's the, what I learned early on was uh, in studying God's Word, you cannot extrapolate from the text what's not in the text. Yeah, it's called eisegesis. There we go. Instead of exegesis. So... Two Greek prepositions, ice means into, ex means out of. And so if you're reading into the text, it's Isa Jesus. You're adding words between the line so that, and sometimes, I mean, honestly. A generational curse. Yeah, and sometimes we do. I mean, there's no question. Sometimes you do fill in the gaps with other sections of Scripture. However, in the passages where it's explaining itself, it's not there, then you the only right you have is to do exegesis, just Draw out of the text what it says and stick with that alone. Leaders, uh, take, take, put, ex, put a highlight on what Pastor Mac just shared. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're in group, and, and his example that he's going to uh, expound on just a little bit more about um, uh, generational curses, remember that. Uh, only bring out of the text what's in the text. Yes. If someone adds into the text, gently remind them. Yes. Of uh, that is a good thought, maybe compliment them, but remind them that doesn't say it in the text. That's exactly right. And, and hold firm to that. That's exactly right. Uh, but what does it mean? That's a that's a good question. Yes, sir. Your sins will visit you in the second and third generations. What's that mean? Well, um, you look at the sins of the United States of America. There have been bad decisions that have been made. And, uh, you know, some would say, I'm not going to get political here, that the Vietnam War was a mistake. Let's let's just go with that. Let's okay. say it is. Okay, aren't we still uh, experiencing the repercussions of a bad decision? Sure. Right. Let's talk about slavery. Huh. That's obvious. Very very bad decisions. Uh, is a whole community of people, to some degree, still experiencing the repercussions of those decisions a long time ago? Yes. Absolutely, no question about it. Not a generational curse. A Not, repercussion. A repercussion. Yes, and so. Uh, you know, alcoholism, you know, um, that, that you, you are raised, it's either nurture or it's nature, you know. Uh, some, some generations or some uh, ethnos or a group, a man develops uh, an affinity towards this and then his child and his child. And so those, de- those decisions, those sins, uh, they, do, they do have repercussions. Think about debt. I mean, if I choose to just spend like crazy and get in debt— it affects my kids, and therefore I teach them bad habits. It affects their kids, and they teach them bad habits, and so so it just goes on and on and on. Before so you know it, I can't buy a motorcycle. For, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you know I, I don't have any money for toys, uh, or I have debt, and then they come take it away. 
Right. And it's just really, really bad. Stealing, uh, adultery. And it, it just visits. It visits generations. So particularly what happens here is he may be foreshadowing where he's saying, look, set my people free. And he's going to lead them out. They're going to go into the land of Canaan. But yet the spies come back and say, we can't go. And there's two that say yes. And then here's what happens. The, Moses says, okay, you don't want to go in? We're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. So this whole generation is going to pay for that decision. And then they paid. They, they, in fact, they couldn't go in until they all died, except for Joshua and Caleb. They got to go in. Because they were the two that said, carpe diem. Seize the day, brother. <laughs> Obey God. Why? Because he's all powerful. He's all glorious. He's almighty. Mm. And, and he blesses the obedience, and he doesn't bless disobedience. So if I were a leading life group, and um, they asked that question, mm-hmm. and I said, well, what we're reading in this text is this, uh, sin has consequences, and consequences can last for a very long time. Yes. And those consequences can go from generation to generation. They visit. Yes, they visit. And that's, that, that's an accurate interpretation. Yes. Uh, if you bring up generational curses, just say, uh, well, in fact, I'd rather you not. Just because that's, that's eisegesis. Uh, it doesn't say that in the text. So here's what, let's just, let's just go down that track. Okay, it is a genera- generational curse. How do I break it? Well, let's get everybody in the room. Let's pray over them, which I don't, I'm all for praying for people who are in sin. Do it. But then next thing you know, you're like saying, okay, the curse is broke. And yet the guy goes out and still spends a lot of money. And you're going, what happened? Well, you didn't pray hard enough. Well, no, what? No, it comes down to denying self, picking up your cross, and following Jesus. So when you give a bad diagnosis, you have a bad prescription or track to be healed. See what I'm saying? Yes, sir. So that's the point. One of the things we uh, we pop back up to that that is, uh, it may be I I said Jesus. You you, you might tell me, but uh, we pop back up to verse seven. And it says uh, maintaining faithful love. To a thousand generations. Amen. And w- what was really cool in our group is like, look, uh, uh, leaving the guilty unpunished to the third and fourth generation, but look how awesome God is in pouring that which is good in him to thousands more generations. In other words, his love and his grace and his mercy is so abounding uh, that, that he, he, he's got a thousand generations that are experienced that. Yes. And, and, and so and I don't know where we got with that, but we just saw, saw that so powerful where um, the guilty uh, not, are not going to go unpunished to the third and fourth generation, but the faithful love is going to be to thousands of generations. Man, brother, t- leaders out there listening, just let your imagination dance on this subject. Uh, so when you're leading a life group or you're a part of life group, just look around the life group and look through the eyes of the people that are there and you just through the eyes of eternity and realize that as you're loving, as you're ministering to each other, you're changing generations right in front of you. you I mean, who's in your living room or in that room you're in are thousands and thousands of people. You, you may only have eight, but there's thousands and thousands of people that are going to be impacted by the eight that are there. Amen. Amen. We, we, we got to the, the final verse in, in Life Group. Moses immediately knelt low on the ground and uh, worshiped. Amen. And that's kind of where you've been leading us all morning. It's mm-hmm. the awesomeness of God. Amen. And then Moses' reaction to, to uh, the, the back of God. Yes. Was to immediately, and it says, it didn't say immediately uh, knelt down. It said knelt low. Yes. And, and when, I, when I think <laughs> of low, I think I'm trying to rub my face into the dirt to where I have a negative elevation <laughs> yes. um, and, and, and worshiped. 
Amen. And Amen. Worshipped. And um, so the question came up because we followed a lot what you what what you're uh, uh, recommending we follow, and we came to a really tough question. Mm. And uh, we did, we formulated our own leaders. Uh, whenever I say that, um, that's me trying to coach you yeah. and say be okay to do this. And we said, in what ways has our actions been irreverent to God? Wow. Wow. And, uh, man, you get, you get your pin drop, and all of a sudden, um, man, we had people saying, when I refer to God as the big guy upstairs. Right. Um, and, I mean, God is my co-pilot. Yeah. Um, and, man, the, yeah. The, 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 the unintentional yet irreverent. Right. Right. And here's what we came up with. I promise you, if we were Moses, Hmm. none of the examples we gave, which are all confidential, that's why I'm not sharing them, uh, none of the examples we gave would have ever been said at that moment Hmm. that we saw the back of God. Wow. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And, uh, you know, and and really that's where a lot of our uh, ending went is uh, what is a reverence for God? What is, what does it mean um, in all of this text, where is God in, in, in our hearts and in our mind? And are we seeing God in his glory? Amen. Or do we have God uh, pinned into, uh, into a, a less than God ideal Yes. within our own thoughts? Right. You know, when we look at this passage, there's a lot to consider. It brings up a lot of questions. Might even bring up a lot of debates, like the generational curses. We didn't even touch on I'll have compassion on who have compassion, mm-hmm. the mercy on who have, who all have mercy. That that's another can of worms that could be opened up in the Book of Romans, the end of the, the end of the Book of Romans, and it's got some deep theological consequences the way you interpret that. But so, but I want to lead us where the Spirit would lead us, and that is, yeah, those are great questions, and they do stretch us. But the end result of studying this passage and doing life group is that we are to do what Moses did. We are to be low to the ground, and we are to worship. And what I know about God, whatever it is I know about God, and all that I know about me, I want to bow before the Lord and worship Him. And greater things happen when I worship. It seems to be the missing jewel in the church. It's the missing—I can tell you, sanctification, growing in the Lord, growing in your walk, growing in your identity, learning to feed yourself, learning to clean yourself, know how to talk to others, all that is strengthened, and you grow— when you worship and there's just that's where that reverberation that reflection comes back and forth between you and god when you worship so use this text primarily to be a hymn to be a song to be a devotion of just giving ourselves all that we know of us to all that we know of god and watch god work an author on worship i forget which book it is but he quoted uh and this is going to be rough but he said uh we're always worshiping Yes. It's just a matter of who and what we're worshiping. Bam. That's it. And, um, man, that, that reminded me. Yeah. Amen. Pastor, uh, any, anything uh, that you have to say to the leaders or to those that are listening to this podcast? Yeah. If you're listening, you're probably tied in with Life Group. Or, you know, I know someone who's in a whole other city and they listen to these uh, while they're, they're in school. In fact, they're in medical school. And he was telling me that he listens to it. And you're probably the kind of person, either in life group or, one, or in a small, another small group, to where you're wanting to impact other people's lives. And just as God in his essence impacts other people, as we grow as Christians, as followers of Jesus, our, our essence has an impact. Um, it's, it's that 
uh, it's that ethos. It's that it's that who we are as individuals. And if we are the kinds of people that meet in the presence of God, and we are impacted by God Himself, then we become the kinds of people that impact others. So, leaders, that's who you are. You are those kinds of people, and or uh, just a, a life group attendee. Uh, you have a passion for the Lord, and God is going to use you as you worship Him. Amen. Um, Amen. Thanks for for uh, joining us, leaders and uh, friends and family that uh, are listening to this. We pray that this is a fruitful time. Amen. Um, the win for us is this: is that when you read this, that you find yourself glorifying and worshiping God, and Amen. knowing His character more. And uh, dig in, guys. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thanks. God bless you. God bless.